Welcome to Sex Ed Rewind, reflections on how we learn about sex. Action. Okay. Are you you sure, first of all, this actually really worries me that you're recording this alone. Also, several trial runs were underwent before the making of this episode. (laughs) Okay. Thank God. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sex Ed (laughs) Rewind. We are very excited to welcome a special guest, Jean. (laughs) Jean was raised in Tokyo, Japan, born to an American mother and Japanese father. He went to international schools his entire life and moved to the U.S. 10 years ago. He now works as a localization project manager, and he's one half of the queer electronic pop duo Twin Kids. Hello, Jean. Hi, Caro. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today, Jean? I'm good. I am, I, this is, I'm going to say the worst possible day to record a podcast because I'm deeply busy. Wow. If anyone's listening, um, we're blessed, you know, that Jean has taken the time from his really busy schedule to sit down with us. He's not busy at all. He's not busy. That's a lie. Okay. Um, So let's start off with our intro questions. We like to get everybody familiar with a young gene. You know what I mean? Like set Mm. the scene. Who is young gene? The people want to know. What was your favorite band, favorite fashion trend, and favorite slang word when you were in Uh, high school? I forgot to tell you to take out these questions before the interview started. (laughs) It's too late. Um, Okay. I was like a weird, like kind of like gangly gay music nerd. So nothing's changed. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, so everything's the same. Mm-hmm. I was definitely like an emo band kid. So I think my favorite band, probably the early November, fantastic band. Okay, I don't even know who they are. <laughs> yeah, okay, well. I'll, should I not like it is yeah is it worth looking this up or should we just give it a pass? No, okay, yeah, give yeah, it a pass, give it everybody. I did see them live like a year ago and like had a really like kind of spiritual experience well, <clears throat> listening and watching. But were you the not, only like, one objectively in the like <laughs> like pretty much yeah right okay um okay sorry what was the second one okay. fashion favorite fashion trend I can't wait to oh hear my this. god oh studded belts oh wow. Like metal, like stud leather. Yeah, vibe. like hot topic. Yeah. Wow, that's um, that's tragic. Okay. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much. So Jean was wearing studded belts, uh, going to emo band shows that nobody had heard of. And what was Jean's slang word of choice? I don't know. I mean, it's probably Japanese. There's a word. Yabai, which just means like, I mean, it doesn't really translate, but it basically means like, that's crazy. And it could kind of go both in positive, negative ways. It was a very like early 2000s Japanese slang word. So now that we are all um, familiar with the angsty emo gene in his teen years, can you tell us where you went to high school? Um, what decade and what kind of school it was. Yeah, okay. So I went to high school in the 2000s, from 2006, 2010. I went to the American school in Japan. 
Um, so it's kind of like an international school in Tokyo. It's a private school, a lot of like rich kids, like kind of liberal. Interesting. I'm really excited to have this conversation because you are coming at it from a really interesting perspective in that you live here now and you also grew up with an American parent, but you also grew up with a Japanese parent living in Japan. Cool. Okay. So for the first question, did you receive any type of sex education in school? Yes. I think com- probably comparatively to a lot of American schools, because we were a, a generally more liberal school, I probably got a better sex education. I mean, definitely like in hindsight, like was bad, but. Mm-hmm. So do you remember, like, can you talk to us about what that sex ed was like? I mean, I think it was just very anatomical. Mm-hmm. There was definitely no, I mean, obviously only talked about straight sex, which was like highly confusing to me. I don't know if your listeners can tell like just from like kind of the cadence of my voice, but I am a queer person. Thank you for sharing that, Jean. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. Welcome, um, queer Jean. <clears throat> thank you. So yeah, definitely straight sex. I remember it being like really anatomical. I also remember being separated into boys and girl, boy and girl camps, which was obviously horrifying for me. Right. The binary is um, alive and well. Oh my God. I mean, there's, there was no other option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I definitely don't remember a single conversation about like consent or pleasure or anything like that. I only remember like, this is a penis and this is a vagina and it like goes in and then, and then a baby's made. Like that's kind of, I feel like that's kind of all I learned. Would you classify it as fear-based sex education? Like, do you remember them invoking uh, fear when they were talking about anatomy? Or was it just kind of like, here's a neutral outlining of the facts? I, I don't think it was that fear-based. It was just blind to a lot of, to, to like different types of sexualities. Because I went to a more liberal school, I do think the general idea was like, sex is okay. And sex is good, maybe not good, but like, and like you should use protection and like here are the different types of protections. And like, I remember like putting a condom on a banana, like that Mm. kind of stuff. So I definitely learned the basics. That's actually a lot better than a lot of the sex ed that most Americans get. Like the fact that there was a conversation about condoms and other types of protection aside from condoms Mm -hmm. is actually pretty progressive. Yeah, I, I do think from what I've heard comparatively comparatively, it's it's was a lot better. Also, especially in Japan, like I, you know, have a lot of Japanese friends and Japan is a really conservative country. So their sex education is highly questionable. Fortunately, I didn't experience it. So I don't know if I can speak that much to like the details of it, but the fact that I even learned about protection outside of just like a condom or it wasn't fear based, like you said, I think was was different from what my Japanese friends got as well. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about the person or people that taught you about sex ed? Was it a qualified, trained sex educator? No, no. Um, in middle school, it was just my middle school teacher who I think did social studies or something like that. In high school, I think it was our health teacher or like health. Yeah, it was like freshman, sophomore year. And then there were there was one health class. There were multiple units, and then one of them was sex ed. Interesting. Okay. Um, outside of school, so you remember you got halfway decent, not fear-based sex ed. There were some convos mm-hmm. about condoms. Everything was really binary and heterosexual. So that was 
you know, if that wasn't serving you, which it was probably not serving most of the young people there, where did you go to learn about sex? What other resources did you seek out? <laughs> Exclusively porn. Love it. Yep, yep, yep. There it is. <laughs> I mean, what else is there? <laughs> like I wasn't having sex, obviously. I mean, at some point I was, but you know. Yeah, I have a really vivid memory of my brother who's three years older than me and like a, a complete crazy person like was just like, hey, do you want to like see a video? And it was like some kind of like maybe sex Eddie like porn video where a, a woman just like opens her legs and like points out like her like different parts of her genitals. And you were that like, was I've like never my... seen anything this horrific. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. And I was like, and I plan to never see that again, really. And everything um... you confirmed. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm sure I read about sex and sex ed, but I remember the moment when I, the first time I watched porn and it finally registered with me what it is. Do you know what I mean? This is like pre-high school. Yeah, wait, say more about that. What do you mean what it is? I think, I don't know. It's like when you're a kid and you're being told about these abstract ideas of like penis goes into vagina and then like, I don't know. I think I never visualized it. So I was just kind of a child and it was just kind of like going, it was just like going in one ear out the other kind of thing. And I wasn't quite, it wasn't resonating with me. And then when I watched porn, I was like actually understanding the anatomy of it and seeing what happens. I mean, I kind of feel like that's why I also don't remember a lot of my sex ed because it, I'm sure I learned most of it through porn in a weird way, you know? Yeah, I actually don't think that's in a weird way at all. I think that's so common, especially in America, because developmentally speaking, young people are craving this type of education because their bodies are changing, they're going yeah. puberty, they're horny, they're ready to rock, and no one wants to talk about it. So they dive into what they can get their hands so, on, which is usually porn. But what I think is so really horny. interesting about what you said is that the first time you watched porn was like almost like a biological experience. Like you were really taken by like the biology of it. And was there like a pleasure component to that? Were you like, oh, this is also really pleasurable? Or do you have a memory of, of when you realized that it was also pleasure? Oh, that's so, oh God. <clears throat> I definitely remember doing like weird, like horny kid things. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like just having like strange fantasies. Like there's this, <laughs> there's this um <laughs> Japanese, I don't know how to, it, it's like Power Rangers, mm-hmm. but it never made it over to the, to the States. And it's this like superhero. It's like a live action superhero. And they're kind of like half insect a little bit. This is like probably why I didn't make it to the States. It's like not cool at all. Um, but, but the whole concept is like this man is like captured and then he's like turned into like a bionic man who's like kind of a bug or something. I don't really, but I somehow like created fantasies in my mind of like what that moment was of like, I'm, cause it was like, so like physical. And I, also mm-hmm. the scene, I remember the guy is, is shirtless when they're like turning him into like a bionic man or something. So I remember having those moments of like sexuality, but I don't think I quite pieced it together until I saw porn. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. So you were into bug yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. I'm into bug men still. <laughs> it's current. Today. Yeah. Right, right, right. Hit me up if you're a bug man. I think that really highlights the reality that a lot of young people have and that they don't have the language or the context to really understand what they're feeling. 
because we don't have comprehensive sex ed that we need, you know, like you knew that you were feeling something about bug man and he was shirtless. So you were like hormones raging, but like, it wasn't really until later that you had the context and language that you could be like, Oh, this was something that I was experiencing. That was like a sexual feeling. Yeah. It's like, it's like, Oh, all of these confusing feelings, like maybe these weird fantasies that I like, somehow contextualized in my mind, like I knew they were embarrassing or bad or something. Mm. Sorry, not knew or thought that they were embarrassing or bad. Finally, I was like, oh, this is the thing. You know, it's like, this is actually the thing. I'm seeing it. Um, this is like, I guess what I want ultimately is is what the realization was. Mm-hmm. And do you remember or can you point to why you were feeling shame around this particular thing? Oh my God. I mean, um, I just come from a very quiet family with a lot of secrets, okay? (laughs) Really secretive bunch. Yeah. We just like, we just like don't talk about stuff. Also, I mean, Japanese culture, I don't know. I'm sure anybody who's interacted with like fringe porn like knows that Japan is like the the cultural epicenter of fringe porn Absolutely. because we're so sexually suppressed and I think Japan is like one of the countries where they I think it's like the least amount of sex is like happening in this country it, it makes total sense like I have um, so many young like 20 something year old friends in relationships and they are like openly like oh yeah we don't have sex but I think it's just deeply it's so deeply ingrained in them. And it's like, I still struggle with this, you know, where Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's like, I don't feel like liberated sexually or anything like that, but I think it just comes from the, the, the context of like on television in, I don't know, any book that you would read just in every social interaction you have, like nobody's ever talking about sex. We're not even talking about like kissing. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just a thing that's never discussed and actively avoided. And you pick up on that as a child. So you see those things and then you just like know that they're shameful. Does that make sense? Yeah. What I really like about what you said is that it highlights this idea that a lot of people and I think a lot of parents have that if we don't talk about it, they will figure it out. We often think that if we don't say anything at all, we're giving some type of neutral message. But by not saying anything at all, we're teaching young people that this is something we don't talk about. And because we're not going to talk about it, it should be something that you keep to yourself and you should therefore be ashamed of. Completely. I mean, this is like a th- uh, such a huge problem in Japan and still is, but I grew up with a white American mother and she's like very liberal and kind of like, you know, grew up in the seventies, eighties, like it's very like kind of a, a hippie figure. Like she's like a yoga instructor, you know, but even she had issues with like talking about it. And I have this like very, very vivid memory of okay there's this there's a store in japan called condomania it's a japanese like condom store and i remember it must have been in the 2000s when this condomania was built in the middle of the of harajuku the intersection the intersection at harajuku which is i'm sure every everybody knows from gwen stefani's harajuku girls okay same neighborhood (laughs) so i grew up like right in that area and so they built this condomania in the middle of Harajuku and it was like very sensational because there is a huge sign that says condomania but because it was in English I think somehow they got away with it 
I remember walking, this is so crazy. I remember walking down the intersection and I looked at the condominia sign and I asked my mom, what are condoms? And then her, and then her explanation was, I just remember her being like, first of all, like dead in the eyes, like absolutely horrified. And we're also like trying to cross the street, you know? So there's like a lot happening. It's like very busy intersection. And she's like, she, the, her explanation I'll never forget this, was it's what men put on their penises, which is like literally, (laughs) it's like the one part, I don't know, I'm just like, that's not, that's literally not what it is, you know what I mean? (laughs) You're missing the entire explanation of it. Like you actually only pointed out the kind of weird part of it. (laughs) So me as a child was like, what the fuck? Like, why? Right, like, why are we putting that on our penises? Right, like that explanation completely evades the purpose of the comment. It literally <laughs> is just like, it's a, it tells you what you do with it, but not why you use it. But obviously, she was just like in a panic and had no idea how to explain it to me. Mm-hmm. We like we never talked about sex. You know, so she is just like not, yeah, it, it was just like wasn't a part of our dialogue as a family. Mm-hmm. So Bugman was like the intro. <laughs> right, back to, to Bugman. Right. Gene yep. sexuality is Bugman. Yep. So mm-hmm. you said that you got most of your sex education from porn. Mm-hmm. Did you also engage with your friends in discussions about it or your older brother or was it really something that wasn't talked about at all and you really just kind of got it all from porn definitely in high school at some point probably like sophomore year like onwards or something my friends and I were definitely talking about sex but I don't think any of my friends were really having sex until like kind of towards the end of high school. I mean, most of my friends were like, obviously we were all fucking nerds. So like we weren't getting laid or anything. But... At early November concerts? <laughs> yeah, isn't that shocking? There was definitely some kind of dialogue there, but I don't remember it happening until kind of later. You know what? I actually had one of my very best friends in like elementary middle school who like sad story, like I kind of lost after I came out to him and you know, it's like we it didn't, he wasn't into it. Um, but we used to watch porn together all the time. I remember this, which mm-hmm. is the gayest thing I could ever imagine. Okay. <laughs> which I realize now, like maybe that's why he was so freaked out by my coming out. I hope he's not listening to this. I, I really doubt that he is. <laughs> <laughs> he might, you don't know. Um, but so I think there was some kind of conversation with him. I mean, yeah, I don't know. So do you remember, other than Bugman, which I don't even think was porn, didn't you say Bugman was just like a Japanese cartoon? No, it was like Power Rangers, yeah. Okay, right, right, right. So do you have any memory of like any specific porn, like type of porn or specific videos that like taught you any lessons that like you still remember, even if they were like not true or like any aha moments? I guess what I'm thinking is just like, I think everything was an aha moment. I'm not sure if there was Mm -hmm. like a specific thing I could think of learning about vaginal sex and anal sex and oral sex. Like all of those happened through porn. And I remember all of them being really shocking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's get into a conversation about intersecting identities. Can you tell us about yours? 
probably the most the most like tension I feel in terms of identity is being Japanese and being queer for sure because. I don't know the 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 narrative of queerness in Japan is very strange, and there's actually a lot of trans people in Japanese TV. There's a Japanese TV is like there's a lot of variety shows. I'm sure people have seen like those crazy Japanese game shows. Obviously, not everything is a crazy Japanese game show, but like talk shows, like mm-hmm. that's like the main format of of television. It's not like drama or comedy like it is in. Mm. The states like scripted. It's not scripted. So there's actually a lot of trans people, mostly trans women, in Japanese television. And in a way, I think they're really respected. But I also think they're the butt of the joke quite often.、Mm. So it's very it's complicated. The narrative is very confusing. And when I came out to my Japanese friends, they didn't know what just like being a gay man. Was like all they knew was was trans people. So their first question of like when I said like oh I have a boyfriend or whatever they were just like oh are you like gonna transition into a woman? It was like seventeen eighteen. I mean these are like my friends who like grew up in Tokyo. You know it's like one thing maybe if you grew up in the countryside of Japan, but Tokyo is like this huge mega city. There's you interact with so many different kinds of people, and they had still never understood. I don't know different types of queerness or whatever.、Mm-hmm. Um, and also the difference between gender and sexuality.、Mm. So that was really confusing. I also have very close gay friends who are Japanese and like didn't grow up in the international school system at all, and they're still, you know, they don't have like the privilege that I do of like being able to move to the states or whatever. So they are like still closeted. In their workplaces, because it's not there's no anti discrimination law in Japan. That said, I, it doesn't like Japan doesn't have like the religious homophobia that、mm-hmm. the U S has. Like、mm-hmm. there's no religious context to it, so it's not as maybe sharp, but it's dull and prevalent、mm-hmm. in the society. Does that make sense? Right. Anyway, so I just like I see their lives. There is a thriving queer community in Tokyo, especially, but also seeing that they still can't actually be out. At their workplace, or to some of their friends, or to these people that they're interacting with every day, it is really scary. And I still see myself as a Japanese person because I grew up in that country. So I think that's kind of my main thing. So, like in school, you already alluded to the fact that everything was super hetero, super binary. So, what was it、yeah. like as someone who knew that they were not fitting within that sexuality binary、mm-hmm. to be given that information? Like, what was that like for you as a young person? I remember sex ed being exactly the same as like the fucking PE and like a gym locker room or like whatever. It was like it was a place in which it is like painfully clear that you're not the same as these other boys,、mm. and that's what you know. It's like when you're a queer kid or you're just like I don't know. Maybe maybe being bad、um, at sports is not necessarily a queer experience. But like often is. <laughs> And so it it felt the same, you know. It's like or, or like when you have like like school trips where there's sleepovers and stuff, and they obviously like put you in the boys like、mm-hmm. camp or whatever,、mm-hmm. and then all of your friends are like fucking like sassy gals. Right. It was just like I just remember in every first of all, you know, they separate you into boys and girls, right? Which is, immediately makes you really 
vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I don't know because you're because these aren't your friends. It doesn't it doesn't feel like we think the same way. Mm-hmm. And also on the in the subject of sex, you know, the boys are the straight boys are reacting in a certain way and you know it's like you know you don't have that same reaction to what we're talking about, you know. It's like mm-hmm. it's not like oh like fuck like you know Miss Benjamin just said vagina. It's like I don't have that same reaction. It also feels foreign to me and kind of like not necessarily disinterested, but I don't have the same kind of like hormonal drive that maybe these other boys had. And I think it just felt really clear in those moments of sex ed, especially when we were divided into boys and girls, that I was different. I I remember that so clearly. I mean, that's why I hated it so much, you know? Mm -hmm. Were you out to anybody else at that time? Or was this something that you were really dealing with like internally on your own? In high school, I was like partially out. I think most, I mean, I was, I was out, I would say. In middle school, I was not. Right. So what I'm hearing is that there was an overall erasure of your identity. For sure. I mean, you know, they're just like, they're trying to teach sex from like a biological perspective. You know, they're just like, this is what makes babies. We're not talking about pleasure. We're not talking about relationships. We're not talking about different types of sexual interactions and consent Mm -hmm. and whatever. We're just talking about egg, sperm, you know, makes a human. So there was no space for the type of sex that I was interested in slash like going to have in like a couple of years or whatever. And I think that's why it felt so like, oh, I don't belong here because this is like, it's like not relevant to me. You know what I mean? It's like in high school, especially when there was sex ed in high school, it's like, I knew I was going to have sex with a woman. So it's like, of course I should learn about it. But the fact that that's the only conversation that's happening, I was just like, there's nothing for me to take home from this. So I'm going to go home and watch a fucking gangbang ass play porn. Okay. And that's going to be your sex ed. And that's my sex ed, of course. Yeah, I think that experience is super relatable. So I want to look a little bit more at your Japanese-American identity, being that you were multiracial in an American school in Japan. I feel like there's a lot of different cultures and identities at play there. And did you feel like that impacted your experience learning about sex? I definitely had some kind of like weird middle ground of an education. And and I think of this like very conservative Japanese thing and maybe a little bit more of a liberal American thing. And I also feel like they're conflicting. So it, I, I remember it being constantly confusing, you know, cause it's like, it wasn't something we were talking about at, at home. It wasn't something we were talking about in society. It wasn't something we were talking about on television. I also remember the differences in how sex is portrayed in Japanese and American media. Cause I would spend summers in Chicago because my mom is from Chicago and you know her whole family is there so we would spend some summers like staying with uncles or whatever I I remember I actually discovered a journal maybe like five years ago or something from when I was in middle school and first of all I can't commit to anything so I wrote like one page in this journal and like gave up but the (laughs) the first thing that I wrote in the journal was why are Americans so sexual interesting <laughs> I think it was coming. I, I mean, I know that I wrote that when I was in the States. And I am, I think it was coming from me seeing American television where people are like kissing and there's like sex scenes and stuff versus in Japan where they like 
kiss and then they just kind of like fall off the screen. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? I remember feeling like America was this like very like maybe more sexually liberated like place. And it was like very confusing to me. So I, I kind of had those two narratives, which is weird. Mm-hmm. So wait, question? I'm curious okay. to see now how you feel about that dichotomy that you just introduced, like America being a more sexually liberated place than Japan, or or that's the dynamic that you perceive as a middle schooler. Would you say that you feel that way now? Yeah, I think that's just how I saw it. Like, I, I think there's just a lot of, there's depictions of sex in media and it's definitely a censorship thing too because mm-hmm. in Japan there's this idea of being proper and honorable and like it's about upholding honor and um not embarrassing your family and being like a proper upstanding citizen of society there's a really big sense of community like in fantastic and beautiful ways but also in a way where you must fit in and the rules are very serious like it's not like the rule the social rules in the u.s are very loosey-goosey okay interesting (laughs) take you you go to japan and if there is one person like talking on the phone or like eating food on a subway it's like they are disgusting and they are should not be a part of this society like it, it is just social pressure and social norm rule governs the country it's hard because Japan, in comparison to America, has anti-majority culture in a really serious way. It's like why Harajuku girls dress crazy. It's why there is extreme fringe porn in Japan, because there's so much pressure to fit in and people react to that in a polar opposite way. That doesn't happen in the same way that it happens here. But for me personally, I still... You know, it's like I was talking about earlier how like I have a, a lot of my Japanese friends I feel like are just like not having sex. And there is still something in me, which like I'm working out in therapy. Where, <laughs> thank you. Where I, I feel embarrassed. Like there is like an embarrassment about sex. I'm not, I can't quite figure it out because logistically I feel like I'm there but my feelings aren't quite catching up with it. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm also like, you know, my partner is a Greek American man. He's like so horny. He's like, just like, you know, it's like humping a couch, like whenever, like he's just like, well, he's like ready to have sex, like literally whenever. <laughs> so I just come from a really different world mm-hmm. and sex doesn't ever feel casual for me. It feels really vulnerable Sometimes it feels scary. I mean, we've been together for a long time now, so like maybe it doesn't feel as scary any like as scary, but it, there's kind of like I I see that there's more emotional lifting on my part to have sex and also just like to be like dirty or something. Like <laughs> this mm-hmm. is so stupid. But I just just to do like kinky stuff or like open your I don't know, just like to try new sexual things, like mm-hmm. it is feels so scary to me. And for him, it's just like so simple, you know, because mm-hmm. like fucking Greek people are like, they're fucking all the time. Like they're the horniest country in the world. I think they're actually having the most sex 
And I think Japan is having the least sex. So it's a very interesting. So you guys uh, are like bookending really nicely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting. So it sounds like you're attributing these feelings about sex to the Japanese part of yourself. I mean, it has to be because I don't know. It's so, you know, it's so deeply ingrained in you. It's never written out like in a textbook. It's like, it's in the nuances of how people talk about sex. Like Japanese words for sex or like, this is, this is actually a really good example. The Japanese word for sex that is most commonly used is sex. It's English in the Japanese alphabet. The Japanese word for penis that's most commonly used is penisu. It's literally just the penis. same word. And it's the same word because there are no Japanese words mm. for sex. Mm. It's not in the vernacular. So it's new, you know, it's like when American culture started to trickle into Japan, whatever, post-World War II, 1945, when the, when the world war ended, like that's when American culture started to, I mean, I mean, took Japan by a storm. And then these American words started to uh, kind of come into the, you know, Japanese like dictionary. And anytime you talk about sex with my Japanese friends, like we're just kind of saying English words because all the Japanese words I think are just like anatomical. That's so interesting. And I, I think what's really important about that example and just like you articulating that this sort of like nebulousness of it is that in some ways like sex culture is really obvious and in your face and tangible and it's the words people use and it's how they use them. But in other ways, it's just a lot more like subtle and the lack mm. of certain things is how we actually learn to feel about sex, like how it is sort of in the background really shapes how we think about it without it ever being the center of attention. Yeah, completely. It's like the way you, you see everybody, all the adults around you dancing around the subject deeply ingrains in you what, you know, whether it's shameful or like what the narrative is behind what sex is. Yeah. Let's bring it forward to today. Adult gene. Modern day. Mm. I'm grown. Who, if I had to guess? Well, first of all, we've already confirmed he still goes to early November concerts. <laughs> so yeah, that begs the question, it. does yeah. he still wear studded belts? <laughs> I don't own any, but if somebody got me one, I wouldn't be opposed to it in any type of way. I Okay. I feel like I don't believe you. I feel like you own several, but we'll just go with that. <laughs> Um, okay, yeah, so knowing what you know now, what mm -hmm. do you wish that your sex ed journey could have looked like? Oh my God. Here's the thing. We have to talk about anal mm, <laughs> in mm -hmm, sex ed. Absolutely. It's so hard. First of all, it's, it's very, it's a fucking complicated. Okay? Yeah. It's very complicated. The preparation is very complicated. It took me years and multiple times where I've shat on a floor, I've shat <laughs> on a bed. <laughs> like, yes. what, like they couldn't Absolutely. tell me. I mean, and like, obviously there's no just like perfect uh, answer to this, but also, I mean, I think now there's a lot more resources on the internet, but back in the day, mid to late 2000s, when I was like learning about anal sex and then like kind of doing it in the 
late 2000s like I had no fucking clue what I was doing and I remember reading just like crazy articles that like didn't make any fucking sense mm-hmm. and like fully grown adults do not know that people with prostates have a pleasure center in their no yeah they yeah just don't know that I know it's like if you just fucking let go of your like shitty masculinity for one second <laughs> yeah you might have a fucking blast <laughs> It's so, like, that's one that really gets me. I'm like, you are depriving yourself of pleasure by avoiding entirely a region of your body that is literally there to make you feel good. Yeah. Yeah, we have to talk about anal sex. That's a really good one. For sure. And just, like, (laughs) I don't know. Like, I I also remember having, like, a really adverse reaction to, like, when first finding out that, I don't know, that's what, like, the gays do or something. (laughs) Um. Because it was, like, so confusing and crazy to me. And also, that's where poop is. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) it's just, like, I just wish I knew, like, oh, you just have to, like, eat well. Like, eat fiber. There's, like, a way to, like, clean yourself, you know, that doesn't, like, ruin your digestive system. Or, like, you don't have to, like, starve yourself for a day. Which, like, a lot of, like, websites I remember back in the day would just be, like, don't eat for two days. And, like, you'll have great animal sex. It's, like, horrifying. Yeah. It's just, like, they're it doesn't have to be the worst thing in the world. And I swear it took me like four or five years until I like figured out how to just like do it. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. First of all, we're not that old, but like when we were growing up, the internet wasn't what it is now. So like we didn't have like when we were like 15 – I didn't know how to cite sources on the internet. I didn't know how to check no. what was right, what was wrong. Like no yeah. porn literacy, forget it. So there's just no, there was nothing um, that could let you know whether or not something was right or not. And when you don't have people yeah. telling you how to have that type of sex, you're just going to run into a bunch of shit that's going to be bad for you. Yeah. And the internet was still like subculture at the mm-hmm. time, I think. It was, it was, so it wasn't this, you know, enormous index of information. It was the kind of the crazy, like weird people like create websites. And stuff. So like those people had so much power over children looking at that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, now at least, I mean, obviously there's like a lot of dark corners of the internet, but now it's like, it is possible to find really good information on the internet. But at the time, I don't, I don't know. Like I literally remember just Googling like sex.com, like gay.com. <laughs> just to like find information about I don't fucking anything yeah and like I feel like blogs were the primary form of like Uh, information yeah the blogosphere you know jeez yeah awful true nightmare okay do you have any final words of wisdom or thoughts that you'd like to share with the people (laughs) no words of wisdom um eat a lot of fiber but you don't have to take fiber supplements, but you can if you want. Use lukewarm water and buy a bidet. Oh my God, you are the number one peddler of bidets since the moment I met you many I years mean, ago. I mean, I should be a spokesperson for Toto because bidets- Are you not? I, I swear to God, I thought <laughs> this whole time you've been peddling bidets. And Caro, Two days ago, so I'm moving, right? Two days ago, I spent $250 Mm -hmm. 
on a brand new heated toilet seat with a bidet attachment. Yeah. And it's electric. Thank you very much and have a good night. I also really just need to let the people know that Gene and I spent a week camping together in the Australian Outback. And um, yeah. he, we were only allowed to bring one small bag. And in that bag, he brought a portable bidet um, that took up well, three quarters like, of our tent. You know what I mean? Like, here's the thing. Like, you're making fun of me, but... You were the we're one. Out of time. With that's the all the time we asshole. have. <laughs> oh, that's that's time. That's the time. Okay. Sorry. Right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gene, thank you so much for being on <laughs> Sex you. Ed Rewind. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure, and good luck editing this. You can find the show on Instagram at Sex Ed Rewind or online on my website at caroconfort.me. I drop new episodes to podcast platforms every Monday. The cover art and website are by Kelsey Reifler, and the podcast is produced and edited all by me. Meow, meow.